you may have uh, you may have noticed by the uh, painting behind me that today is a slightly uh, a different day. Every so often we have these wonderful painting launches. We have many of them um, around, um, done by our wonderful. I think, oh no, I'm just not holding my mic right. Um, yeah, done by our wonderful artist in residence, um, Ian. And we have a launch again today, another um, fantastic painting. And not only is it a wonderful painting and a wonderfully made video um, by uh, Ross, uh, uh, Ross Wiseman over here, who is our kind of in-house, what's your actual title, Ross? I, I can never remember the proper wording. Videographer, videographer-ish, yeah in-house videographer as well. A fantastic team. Uh, but not only is it just another wonderful uh, work kind of put together by this team, we also have our very own Dean is actually um, a feature in this uh, film. And it's actually, I watched it through the other day and it's a very, very powerful uh, and moving um, testimony to hear um, many of Dean's, uh, Dean's story. It's a, a wonderful thing. So I'm not going to say any more. I'm just going to uh, hand over to the video, which we'll watch through and then we'll explore a little bit further. Uh, Dean, I didn't actually prepare you for this, but would you be up for coming out and maybe just praying for you, if I can pray for you, if that's okay? I didn't, I didn't give you any warning of that at all, but um, yeah. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that um, so honestly, man. So um, if you want to, I would encourage you maybe even to stretch out your hand as well as we pray for our wonderful brother. Um, Almighty God, I, I thank you for the privilege that it is to know Dean, um, to know him as a friend and as a brother. And I thank you for for the way that you have worked in his life to bring him here, um, for your hand in his life, even through the hardest of struggles, that your love for him stretches far beyond. Um, and I just pray wonderful things for the future, that it would be only up from here, that you would be working tremendous, miraculous, incredible things in him um, in the weeks and years to come. Bless your son, we ask, that we love dearly as one of our family. In your mighty name, amen. I'm going to invite up Ian here. Um, I'll give you, oh, yeah, we grab some chairs. Um, just to chat through a little bit of uh, this wonderful painting. Um, so how did you find then kind of coming to, to this painting and this passage in, in Luke? Um, one of the things that I always wanted to do with the whole project um, was that every time Jesus was going to be represented in, uh, in one of the paintings, I, I decided right at the start that rather than have a recurring cast, that I would have a completely different person being Jesus every time. And, uh, and I, th I think there's been, oh, four, five, six, in including you. Yeah. <laughs> the, the hand of Jesus in there once. <laughs> he, he's, he's over there being Jesus. Uh, and... Uh, just decided that this one motif of this red scarf, um, which is, lives in my cupboard over there, uh, and, and you'll see that popping up in, in a few different paintings. Uh, Ross was the first one that got to, to wear the red scarf. And it's really interesting not being pinned down into defining Jesus. Uh, it goes right back to the, the start of the very first painting that I did here, actually, yeah. at Our Last Supper. Yeah. Um, because one of the most common questions I've always been asked with that one is, which one's Jesus? And I've deliberately never said, uh, never picked uh, a, a Jesus for people. Uh, right at the heart of that, um, for me, is the, that verse in uh, Matthew chapter 25. 
where Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Uh, and that's why it's important for me that uh, Jesus can be represented in any one of the faces that, that you see. There, there's something really important about understanding that people are made in the image of God. And it's not uh, being Christ-like isn't about having lovely hair and nice sandals. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's not what defines what Jesus is like. Um, so uh, I was very grateful to Dean. Thank you so much for agreeing to uh, model for, for this piece. And um, uh, also in, in the painting, my friend uh, Mary Louise Stone, uh, who if, if you, I know some of you will know her, uh, she's uh, uh, she's a, a Christian. Lots of folks know her from being at different churches. Uh, she's also an actor who uh, is one of the stars of a TV show called Scott Squad, uh, which uh, is soon going to be back on telly for its fifth, fifth series. We'd asked the police if they would be <laughs> part of the, the painting. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, the guy that runs Street Pastors, you know how Street Pastors are, are based in here? So Stuart Crawford who's the head of Street Pastors uh, in Glasgow, they've got a really good relationship with, with the police. So uh, he asked the, the head of police in Glasgow uh, if, if they would be part of that. And they, oh, I don't know, it, it, could be, it could be negative publicity, I'm not really sure. So they, they declined, <laughs> so I had to find a, a fake cop. So uh, ML's my Couldn't, my couldn't get a better fake cop. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was quite nice. And I, I, w I had been, one thing that I'd been desperate to get in one of these paintings at some point was uh, a police box. Partly because I like Doctor Who, um, but also, uh, did you know, here's a fun fact, that uh, Glasgow is the city that has the most number of original police boxes left. There are six police boxes uh, in Glasgow. We, you'll m maybe notice uh, in the video we, we actually did the photo shoot at a different police box. It's the one in Merchant City. Mm. Uh, but I decided in the end to switch the background and have uh, the Buchanan Street one, which instead of the words police currently has Beerhalle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, can you can correct my pronunciation <laughs> yeah. later, Corinna. Um, and uh, and it's, it's just nice having that sense of the city uh, as, as, as part yeah. of this. And uh, definitely, and even very iconically, I think this is, the, this is the one of the first ones, with the exception, I guess, of bits of the building that has the church itself in it as well in the background. Yeah, that was really fun to, to, to be able to pop that in. I, I realized that I could get an angle with the police box and St. George's Tron clock tower in the background. So that, that, was, that was nice. And, uh, I, and I'd also been quite keen to get those people make Glasgow flags uh, in there as well. They, they, they seem to say a lot about Glasgow. Yeah. I think they're very appropriate. Yeah, and I guess was was there anything in that as you were thinking maybe through the passage and such like was there anything in particular that stood out to you in it that you were kind of trying to across more than others? Obviously, art is kind of interpretation, but was there anything that kind of stood out to you as you were reading it maybe for a first this time? Yeah, um, there was one central idea that I had with this painting. Um, when when you read the gospel stories, uh, you know this this is chapter twenty two. By the by the time you get to that point in the story, you're kind of on Jesus' side, hopefully. <laughs> you Fingers know, crossed. So you're, you're seeing it from the perspective of 
the disciples. Um, Jesus is your guy, and he gets arrested. But the number of times I've seen people being arrested on the city streets in Glasgow, you don't know what's going on. You know, if, if you see someone arrested in the street or, or if you see the police that have stopped a car, do you know that way you don't, some of you, I'm sure, drive uh, and the traffic just slows down for like a mile. And all of a sudden you realize there's nothing actually blocking the lane. Everyone's just stopped to rubberneck uh, because someone's been pulled over by the police. And you don't know why. You never know why. There's just something's happened and the police have stopped this person. Or in the same way, you'll see the police lifting some guy on Buchanan Street. And you don't know why, but you'll see everyone walking really slowly going past. And I, I just wanted to get this sense of, ambiguity um, of what would it actually have been like if you were a, a someone walking past this scene where Jesus is getting arrested and you've no idea who Jesus is because we don't know what Jesus looked like. Uh, very deliberately in that passage it says that uh, Judas kissed him on the cheek to point out who he was. It wasn't like Oh, he's the one with the nice yeah. hair. You can't miss him. He looks great. Taller than everyone else. Um, so he, just some guy. You know, so I kind of wanted to get this sense of, here's some guy. Uh, Dean's not a cliche Jesus. You know, he's not got, the, he's got a beard now. But <laughs> he's, he's, he's not got the flowing locks. Um, we can work on that. It could be a look. Um, <laughs> I've got a feeling that you'll pull it off better than me. Just a, just a sneaky suspicion. But that, that sense of what on earth's going on here if you're uh, walking past? Because we never know. People don't know what someone's story is. There's, there's lots that Dean shared with us that I didn't know about his story uh, from, from the video. Um, there is, uh, years ago, I was, um, I was a youth worker before I was a school teacher. And uh, once a week, I worked in Pullman Young Offenders Institute. And the number of guys who came from situations exactly like Dean's, the number of guys who went through the care system uh, and were just washed up on the shores uh, of uh, the system uh, is, is quite incredible. Um, and uh, it, it, I, really, I really love seeing what this church does. And I don't just mean the Sunday services. The Sunday services are absolutely fantastic. Um, and the Wednesday services, if you've never had a chance to pop along, is a completely different thing. Completely different thing. Completely different bunch of folk. But day to day, I get to see what goes on in here in the cafe. And the... I've heard Alistair saying the, w the one thing we never expected was what would happen to the people that work in the cafe. And it's a, a remarkable thing. Uh, I've seen people starting as, as a volunteer, uh, maybe someone who's got no self-confidence whatsoever, and they flourish. Uh, and I get to see Dean, uh, charming old ladies, uh, <laughs> on a daily basis. It's absolutely astonishing seeing uh, someone becoming uh, the most charming human uh, on earth. There was some uh, people I, I know, it was a bunch of ministers, all in, they were in for a meeting at one of the tables. This, ministers come in and meet here a lot. Uh, and uh, they, they just come in for coffee. Uh, and 
as they were finishing up, that, that man with the beard uh, asked us if we wanted soup. We didn't feel we could really say no to him. He was that nice. <laughs> <laughs> Great so upselling there. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible thing seeing people um, in this place uh, seven days a week flourishing. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, yeah, and it's a, yeah. It's, it's a rem it is remarkable watching um, watching the journey actually like even it's only been like four or five years I yeah. can't even count but but the journey that so many people have actually been on in that time um, in this place and it's it's all for God's glory in that like it's a fantastic thing the the, the other kind of question I guess that I, I had which is maybe it's kind of tied into the painting but as as an artist obviously um, you'll probably you'll have, you'll know of the Glasgow School of Art. Um, unfortunately kind of burning down again for the first time in, in kind of four years not that long ago just a few days ago do you have any kind of thoughts or feelings on that as an artist and um kind of an iconic location in in glasgow and such like yeah i i mean i studied there uh, back in back in the 90s um and the 90s was a very very different time from now uh, we didn't have the internet but we had optimism it was a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> seems to have been a bit of a trade-off <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, it felt like the world was becoming better. Um, I was uh, on on Friday night uh, when the when the fire started. I was actually around the corner. Uh, I was I was at an event in the CCA, um, and uh, it, it ran on, uh, and I missed my tube home. Uh, so at, so half past eleven, I came out of of the CCA, there'd been this open mic event that a friend of mine runs. And um, so I had to go to the cash machine and get some money out to get a taxi home. And I, 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 I'm sure I'd seen some blue flashing lights around the place, but you know, you'd just see blue flashing lights. Jumped in a cab and uh, taxi driver said, you hear about the art school going on fire again? And I thought, I thought he's got to be wrong. Surely, surely he's got to be wrong. Uh, the same thing couldn't possibly happen again, but it has happened and it's happened worse. Um, and the last time in 2014, uh, when, when it happened, it, it, I, f I never expected to feel upset about a building. Um, but anyone who comes here on a regular basis knows that a building can be important. Often in churches, we try and tell folks, you know, it's not about the building and it's not. It's not about the building, but buildings carry a memory, um, and, and that particular building carries a lot of memories for a lot of people, and uh, it's, it is a very special place. Um, and, I, and I don't know what will happen next. Um, I, if, if I'm feeling anything, to be honest, I'm feeling kind of numb mm. about the whole thing, but um, it's, uh, we're very much in the heart of the city center here, and. Uh, and, and so is so is the art school. So uh, th there is there is something about the life of the city centre uh, that uh, that you you feel the heart uh, of that. It's 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 hard to put into words. No, definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess and thank you again, Ian, for another um, truly fantastic painting. I think in one that in many ways, as we've kind of thought about there, I think it speaks, I think, maybe to the heart of what this place, at least at the, at the best, is the intention for, I think, in many different ways. So thank you very much for that um, and for, for sharing. So thanks thank very, you much. very much.
So I'm just going to move things about and just share a couple of thoughts kind of out of the passage to finish. I have to be completely honest. When I, after watching the video, oh, thank you. Cheers. Uh, after watching the video, I was kind of like, what on earth do I say? <laughs> like, uh, how do you follow on from that wonderful and um, incredibly powerful testimony of Dean from um, the wonderful uh, art and video put together? Um, <laughs> what do I say after, um, after all that? Um, but I, I believe God um, placed at least a little kind of thought um, on my heart. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit from, if I can actually get my Bible the right way around, I'm going to read a little bit um, of the, the passage again from Luke, and I'm also going to read it in uh, the Gospel of John as well. Um, we get the account um, multiple times, um, and John gives us maybe slightly more details on top of what Luke says, so I thought it'd be good to give us a kind of a fuller picture maybe of, um, of uh, what is going on in this little um, interaction. So the first one is from Luke 22. And we're starting at uh, verse 47, if you want to follow along. It will be on the screens, and there are Bibles at the side as well, if you would like to grab one. Um, But it says, While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and a man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going on and what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck a servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was in your temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. And then also we have the, the same account that we find in John 18, and it's uh, starting at verse 1 in, uh, in John 18. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Cerdan Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he went into it with his disciples. Now Judas, who, be- who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers, and some of the officials uh, from the chief priests and the Pharisees, they were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, "'Who is it you want?' Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell on the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you, I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave to me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers, with its commander and its Jewish officials, arrested Jesus. 
they bound him and brought him first to Aeneas, who was the father-in-law of Cophertius, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one um, who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man die for the people. Um, and so that is our, uh, our little um, passages that paint this picture of uh, Jesus being um, arrested um, and taken into, uh, taken into custody. Quite a, a dramatic and, um, and powerful, um, powerful little scene that we get two kind of different perspectives on from, uh, from Luke and from John. I wonder if you've ever, um, in the uh, kind of challenges and the struggles of the day-to-day life, felt a little bit like there was um, an, a, a detachment of soldiers, a, an arrest warrant out for you in a way, um, and maybe not in a kind of more, um, a more like practical everyday sense, but more in a spiritual sense. Have you ever felt like there is a constraint going on around you where you seem to just meet opposition that seems almost too intentionally placed along your path? It just, it seems to somehow know exactly circumstances that might just be coincidence, but yet fall perfectly in line to just kind of knock you off course, to, to pin you down, to, uh, to hold you back in one way or another. Here's the thing. I th- I believe um, coming um, and understanding a little bit of Scripture that in one way or another that that is actually true, that in a spiritual sense, all of us have an opposition or an enemy that we, um, we must face on a day-to-day basis, one who does not want us to flourish, one who does not want us to do well and that will do all that he can in his power to get in our way to hold us back, to pin us down, to arrest us. There is a detachment seeking us. I find particularly um, the the kind of details that we get of some of the questions in in John a a really interesting one, and particularly how Jesus acts in this this whole little um, interaction. First off, it's, it's interesting that he's one of the ones that actually seems to carry the whole arrest forward. Like, no one seems to say anything to begin with other than Jesus. It's Jesus that steps forward, and He's the one that's like, who is it that you're looking for, knowing perfectly well um, who they're looking for? But He's the one that steps forward and asks, rather than it being an official or a soldier or such like that comes to take Him, He willingly steps forward to begin. And, and they respond um, as somewhat to be expected with the Jesus of Nazareth. That is who we're looking for. And then there's a little interaction which I'd never really realized before, where Jesus just says three simple words, I am He. And soldiers fall over in, like, they are so blown away by the power of those three words, because in so many ways they are more than just three words. Many of you might know of, if we trace our way back through Scripture, the, the, the phrase, I am, is it's a way of translating in some ways the name of God that we find all the way revealed back to, to Moses in the burning bush, where there's this little phrase that repeats time and again throughout Scripture. It's a combination of Hebrew letters, yod he vah We sometimes translate it as Yahweh that um, we were singing earlier on today. That's kind of adding vowels because it doesn't really have any to say it properly. But those three letters, as I've shared with some of you before, I absolutely love because in them we find the fullness of God. We've got, uh, they hold both past, present, and future tense of this phrase, I am. 
So in the very name of God, we have, uh, we have both a triune and eternal name. The, the one who was, the one who is, the one who will be all bound in one combination of letters, which I just find fantastic. But in that name, there is power, and that power directly affects these people just speaking, just Jesus saying, I am, is enough to knock soldiers to the ground. But then Jesus asks again, who are you looking for? And again, Jesus responds with, I am he. I have told you that I am he, if you're looking for me, then let these men go. At its heart, isn't that kind of just the gospel right there? Where Jesus in all his power and his might steps forward in front of us, steps forward into what should in many ways be our punishment, be our arrest. He steps forward and says, I am, take me instead. Let these men go. There is so much in that little tiny interaction that is just a foreshadowing of all that is to come um, and all that we now know of the wonder of the gospel where Jesus steps forward in our place that we may have freedom. But here's the thing. At this moment happens, this powerful interaction, and then what happens next? Simon Peter, he, he charges forward, he grabs his sword, he's running in, and he goes in for the attack, swinging wildly, cutting off a man's ear. I mean, such a dramatic kind of response. It's almost like Peter has to do something. He has to be the one, like, surely this isn't how it goes. Clearly, he just doesn't quite get it yet. He hasn't understood exactly what's going on in this whole interaction. And he's like, I've got to do something. I've got to be the one that saves Jesus. I've got to be the one that makes the difference, that makes the impact. I've got to be the one to do something here. And he charges in. He cuts off a man's ear. And how does Jesus respond? Put away your sword. Put away your sword. I think that's, that's a, a word that is significant for all of us today. Let's think through that little interaction there with Peter. Peter spent most of his life as a fisherman. He's, uh, he's not a trained soldier. He has no real nest that we know of any form of training of how to use a sword. Let's be honest here. He could not really have done anything about, against this detachment of soldiers. They could have struck him down in a moment for this. Let's think this through. What was Peter ever really going to achieve in this little scenario as he charges in with his little sword against a whole bunch of soldiers? Absolutely nothing. He might have had all the intention and will in the world to save but his ability wasn't there. He wasn't the one that was going to bring salvation in this circumstance. It was and always will be Jesus. And that same thing is true for us. It is so, so easy in the Christian faith to do that thing of charging forward with your sword, feeling like you have to be the one that makes the change. You have to be the one that makes the difference, trying to, to impact uh, the people around us in different ways that we charge with this, with this vigor and with sometimes even this anger. 
There is good in zeal, but it's never going to be our strength, our ability, or our sword that changes anything. Hear that and know that. I'm sorry, but there's sometimes this, this notion that gets chucked around, like somehow we are the ones that are going to do the saving that we are the ones that are going to save our streets or our nation, that we are the ones that in our words, in our actions, in our eloquence, and in our power are somehow going to be the ones that save. We can't even save ourselves. Jesus can. It is His grace alone. It is His strength alone. It is His way alone. We don't need to carry this gospel as a burden. It is a gift. And I want to invite you this morning to yield, to put away your sword, to not carry on your own strength, but rather trust and believe in Him. Instead of striving, start believing. Start trusting. Come rather than rushing forward, come to Him in prayer. Spend time before Him, and out of that place, we walk forward, not for our glory, not, for, not to prove any sense of worth in us, because we already have that worth from Him, but out of trust and out of faith. Because when all is said and done, it is Jesus that saves. He is the one that transforms lives, like my good friend here, Dean. He is the one with the power to save and to move and to shift, to shift families, to shift friends, to shift nations. It is all Him. And we, yes, we may get the honor of being part of what He is doing, but it's not on our shoulders. It's on His. It's not on our strength. It is on His. It is not by power, it is not by might, but by my Spirit, declares the Lord. I invite you this week, this time, to trust in that Spirit, to come to Him, and to let Him do the heavy lifting. We offer what he, we have, but He is the one that moves and shapes and brings the wonder of salvation. We're going to, um, I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to invite the band up as I do, as we have a little bit of uh, time to, to finish off in, in worship. If anyone would, um, yeah, so we're just going to have a time of, uh, of worship to, to finish off. If anyone like prayer for anything at the end, I don't know if we have a specific area set up, but the very, oh, we do, it's over there. Okay, grab a little seat over there, and someone will happily um, pray for you if there's anything, um, anything at all. Um, that you would uh, like some some prayer for, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pray to um, step us back into a time of of worship. Almighty God, we thank you for the wonder of who you are, for the impact that you have, the power that you have to transform um, our lives. Let us learn how to rely wholeheartedly on your strength to trust wholeheartedly in you, in who you are. Rather than trying to carry things to prove our worth to, to do, we would learn to be and to trust in you. I ask in your mighty name. Amen.